0: Chapter 17 of Rufus and Rose, or the Fortunes of Rough and Ready. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter 17. Dividing the Spoils. Martin did not fail to go to the house occupied by his employers in the evening. He was anxious to learn the amount of the booty which he had taken. He decided it must be $10,000 at least. Half of this would be 5000 and this, according to the agreement between them, was to come to him. It was quite a fortune, and the thought of it dazzled Martin's imagination. He would be able to retire from business and resolve to do so, for he did not like the risk which he incurred by following his present employment. Martin had all his life wished to live like a gentleman, that is, to live comfortably without work, and now his wish seemed likely to be gratified. In the eyes of some, $5,000 would seem rather a small capital to warrant such a life, but it seemed a great deal to a shiftless character like him. Besides, the box might contain more than $10,000, and in that case, of course, his own share would be greater. So, on the whole, it was with very pleasant anticipations that Martin ascended the front steps of the counterfeiter's den and rang the bell. Meanwhile, Smith had opened the box, and his disappointment had been great when he found the nature of its contents. Actually, but $400 were immediately available, and as the banker no doubt had recorded the number of government bonds, there would be risk in selling them. Besides, even if sold, they would produce, at the market price, barely $1,100. As to the bank and railway shares, they could not be negotiated, and no doubt duplicates would be applied for. So, after all, the harvest was likely to prove small, especially as Smith had passed his word to divide with Martin. After a while, it occurred to him that, as Martin did not know the contents of the box, he could easily be deceived into supposing them less than they were. He must tell a falsehood, But then Smith's conscience was tough, and he had told a great many in the course of his life. When Martin was ushered into the room, he found his Confederate looking rather sober. "'Have you opened the box?' inquired Martin eagerly. "'Yes,' said Smith rather contemptuously. "'A great haul you made, I must say.' "'Wasn't there anything in it?' asked Martin in dismay. "'Yes, there were plenty of bank and railroad shares.' Can't we sell them? queried Martin, whose knowledge of business was limited. You must be a fool. We can't sell them without the owner's endorsement. Perhaps you'll call and ask him for it. Can't we do anything with them, then? asked Martin anxiously. Nothing at all. Wasn't there nothing else in the box? Yes, there was a government bond for $500. Smith concluded to mention only one. That's something. Yes. It's something. You can sell it after a while and bring me half the money. Will there be any danger in selling it? None to speak of, said Smith, who was afraid Martin might decline selling it, unless he gave this assurance. Wasn't there any money? asked Martin, disappointed. Yes, there was a trifle, a hundred dollars, answered his unscrupulous confederate, who was certainly cheating Martin in the most barefaced manner. Half of that belongs to me, said Martin. Of course it does. Do you think I wouldn't treat you fair? No, said his dupe. I know, Mr. Smith, you're a man of honor. Of course I am. I'd like to see anybody say I wasn't. I've left everything in the box, just as it was, so you might see it was all right. He went to the cupboard and, unlocking it, produced the box, of which he lifted the lid. The certificates of stock were at the bottom. Above them, folded up, was the 520 U.S. bond for $500, and upon it, a small roll of greenbacks. You see, it's just as I say, Martin, said Smith with an air of frankness. There's the shares that we can't do anything with, here's the bond, and there's the money. Just take and count it, I may have been mistaken in the amount. Martin counted the roll of bills and made out just $100. Of course, he could not be expected to know that there had been 300 more, which, together with the other bond, were carefully concealed in his confederate's breast pocket. "'Yes, it's just a hundred dollars,' he said, after finishing the count. "'Well, take fifty of them, and put in your pocket.' Martin did so. "'It ain't what I expected,' he said rather ruefully. "'If I'd knowed there was so little in the box, I wouldn't have taken it.' "'Well, it's better than nothing,' said Smith, who could afford to be philosophical "'having appropriated to himself seven-eighths of the money "'and three-fourths of the bonds. "'There's the bond, you know. "'Let me see it.' "'Smith extended it to Martin. "'When shall I sell it?' said he. "'Not just yet. "'Wait till the affair blows over a little. "'Do you think there's any danger, then?' "'Queried Martin anxiously. "'Not much. "'Still it's best to be prudent. "'Hadn't you better sell it yourself?' Suppose I did, said Smith, I might take the notion to walk off with all the money. I don't think you would, said Martin, surveying his confederate doubtfully, nevertheless. No, I don't think I would, but if you sell it yourself, you'll have the affair in your own hands. But I might walk off with all the money too, said Martin, who thought it a poor rule that didn't work both ways. I don't think you would, said Smith, and I'll tell you why. "'We belong to a large band that are bound together "'by a terrible oath to punish anyone guilty of treachery. "'Suppose you played me false and did as you say, "'though of course I know you don't mean it. "'I wouldn't give that for your life,' and he snapped his fingers. "'Don't,' said Martin with a shudder. "'You make me shiver. "'Of course I didn't mean anything. "'I'm on the square.' "'Certainly. "'I only told you that would happen to you or me "'or anyone that was false to the others.' I think I'd rather have you sell the bond, said Martin nervously. If I were in your case, I'd be perfectly willing. But the fact is, the brokers know me too well. They suspect me, and they won't suspect you. I think I've had my share of the risk, grumbled Martin. I don't see, but I do the work, and you share the profits. Wasn't it I that put you up to it, demanded Smith? Would you have ever thought of it if it hadn't been for me? Maybe I wouldn't. I wish I hadn't. You're a fool, then. Don't you see it turned out all right? Haven't you got $50 in your pocket? And won't you have 250 more when the bond is sold? I thought I'd get 5000 said Martin, dissatisfied. Seems to me that $300 is pretty good pay for one morning's work. But then there are some people that are never satisfied. It wasn't the work. It was the danger. I ain't at all sure, but the boy saw me and knew who I was. If he did, I've got to keep out of the way do you think he did recognize you? asked Smith thoughtfully. I'm not sure. I'm afraid he did. I wish we'd got him in our clutches, but I dare say he was too frightened to tell who it was. He ain't easy frightened, said Martin, shaking his head. He understood our hero better than his confederate. Well, all is, you must be more careful for a few days. Instead of staying in the city, I'll send you to Jersey City, Newark, and other places where you won't be likely to meet him. "'That might do,' said Martin. "'He's a smart boy, though he's an undutiful son. "'He don't care no more for me if I was no kith or kin to him, "'and he's just as leaves to see me sent to prison as not.' "'There's one thing you haven't thought of,' said Smith. "'What's that?' "'His employer will most likely think that the boy has stolen the box "'or had something to do with it being carried off. "'As he took him out of the street, "'he won't have much confidence in his honesty.' I shouldn't be at all surprised if this undutiful boy of yours, as you call him, found himself locked up in the tombs on account of this little affair. Do you think so? said Martin, brightening up at the suggestion. I think it's more likely than not. If that is the case, of course you won't be in any danger from him. That's so, said Martin cheerfully. I hope you're right. It would be worth something to have that young imp locked up. He wouldn't put on so many airs after that well, it's very likely to happen. The contemplation of this possibility so raised Martin's spirits that, in spite of the disappointment he had experienced in finding the booty so far below what he anticipated, he became quite cheerful, especially after Smith produced a bottle of whiskey and asked him to help himself, an invitation which he did not have occasion to repeat. End of chapter 17. Recording by Valentina Vicelli.